the reading is from 1 Kings uh, chapter 8, verse, starting at verse 22, which you can find on page 482 of the Church Bibles. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward heaven and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant, David, my father. With your mouth you have promised and with your hand you have fulfilled it as it is today. Now, Lord, the God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said, you shall never fail to have a successor to sit before me on the throne of Israel, if only your descendants are careful in all they do to walk before me faithfully, as you have done. And now, God of Israel, let your word that you promised your servant David, my father, come true. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet, give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, this place of which you said, my name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays towards this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. And then moving to verse 54. When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out toward heaven. He stood and blessed the whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice, saying, Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in obedience to him and keep the commands, decrees and laws he gave our ancestors. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel, according to each day's need, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God, to live by his decrees and obey his commands, as at this time. Thanks, Sarah. Let me uh, invite you to keep your Bibles open to 1 Kings chapter 8 as we're going to go through that pass, uh, what Sarah read together. Uh, as Cam said, uh, my name's Luke. If we haven't met yet, I'd love to get to meet you um, after the service. And if you're new here or if you're just still trying out Tonsley, uh, a very warm welcome to you in a very cold building. Um, I wonder what your favorite genre of viral videos is. Um, there's this, uh, I, don't, I don't watch a lot of viral videos, but one that gets me are uh, this genre of kind of military men and women who come home and they surprise their loved ones. Have you seen these? Oh man, heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time. They come home, their kids don't know it. Uh, I watched one where I think his, uh, this little boy was in a Taekwondo class and he had a blindfold on 
and then his dad was sparring with him and he didn't know it was his dad. And I'm getting, I'm like getting emotional right now thinking about it. And the dad's speaking to him. And then all of a sudden the kid recognizes his voice and he rips off the bandana and it's just, oh, heartwarming. And if those don't get you, you're in the right place. This is Tonsley. I'm sure there's a robotics place to upgrade you, okay? These, these videos of people coming home and surprising their loved ones, they captured the blessedness of presence, the blessedness or happiness that one has after a long separation from someone you love. Um, obviously, I, I'm, Aubrey and I are from America, uh, based on our accents, uh, and we are really fortunate uh, with technology. We've, we are, we are, we're able to weekly, daily, talk to our family if we need to. We just hop on, like we just literally take out our phones and we can see them face to face. Um, you know, technology has overcome the barriers of separation in some ways. Uh, we take pictures, we take videos, even during the kind of height of COVID, we as a church met online and we actually saw videos, sometimes streaming. Uh, we do it at school, uh, usually to the reluctance and hatred of parents. Uh, we do it at uni. Um, I had COVID last week and I was Zooming to my students. Um, technology is a real gift in that in ways that, ways that we haven't experienced before as a culture. Um, but it does not quite capture the blessedness and happiness of presence. Uh, being physically in the same place with those you love. Now, the reason we feel this happiness of presence after long separations is because we're made to be together. We're, we're made to share in the happiness of community. And so it shows us actually that separation is not ideal. Uh, in the biblical story, the greatest happiness is expressed when humanity is able to be present with the creator God. You think about that uh, psalm that David said, um, kind of speaks about where he says, one thing I ask, Lord, is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Out of all the things David could have asked for, actually the one thing he really wanted was to dwell with God, okay? So at creation, the perfect harmony between God, people, created order is shattered by sin. But in the midst of that separation from God, God is working to restore it, to restore his presence with his people. And so in our passage today, we're gonna, we're gonna see how God is working to fulfill that promise, fulfill his promises to be present with his people. And I hope that it's going to encourage us in how we are to offer praise when God does overcome that. He's going, it's going to encourage us to offer praise and to be a people who repent and confess before him. Okay. So the first point in our passage, as Sarah read for us uh, in uh, 8, 12 to 26, is Solomon's praise of God's restored presence to his people. And so our passage begins with Solomon offering his praise to God that, you know, he's praising God because God has fulfilled a promise that a son of David, that is himself, has built the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, so let's look at verses 15 to 20. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his own hand has fulfilled what he promised with his own mouth to my father David. For he said, 
Since the day I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have not chosen a city in any tribe of Israel to have built a temple so that my name might be there. But I have chosen David to rule my people Israel. My father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, you did well to have it in your heart to build a temple for my name. Nevertheless, you are not the one to build the temple, but your son, your own flesh and blood, he is the one who will build the temple for my name. The Lord has kept the promise he made. I have succeeded David, my father, and now sit on the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised. And I have built the temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. So Solomon is right in his praise of God here. As Cam has reminded us the last few weeks uh, in 2 Samuel, so the book right before 1 Kings, that is in 2 Samuel 7, God, David had desired to build a temple for the Lord. Uh, but the Lord told David, though, though it's a good thing that you want to do this for me, it's not going to be for you. It's going to be for your son. And so it will be your son. And so verse 20, Solomon praises, actually, that promise that God made in 2 Samuel has been fulfilled this day. And as Cam took us through 1 Kings 3 and 4 last week, it describes Solomon's request for God to give him wisdom and that he would be a godly king, that he would use his wisdom in order to rule God's people. And so after the reports of Solomon's wisdom, we're in this middle section of Solomon's reign that's all about temple building. So those who have architectural degrees get really excited about this section. Uh, but if you look back in your Bibles, Brian, if you want to put the slide up there, this is just to kind of catch us up. Um, the author has organized the material to highlight Solomon as the builder of the temple. So in chapter uh, in 5, 1 to 18, Solomon secures the building materials and the workforce to build the temple. Uh, in chapter 6 uh, and then 7, 13 to 51, Solomon then builds and furnishes the temple. In between building and furnishing the temple, he builds the royal palace complex. And then the kind of climax is 8, 1 to 11, where the Ark of the Covenant is brought into the newly built temple. And so really the climax of this whole section has been verses 10 to 11. After the preparation of the materials and the people and the building, the glory of God fills the temple. And it's so full of his glory that the priests can't even do their job. They can't even minister in the temple. They actually have to leave. And so Solomon praises the Lord. He has descended into this temple. God has fulfilled his promise to David. And so when God fulfills his promises to his people, the right response is praise. He is, when God promises and fulfills, he is acting in redemption. He is giving us more of himself in order that we more, might become more like him. And so Solomon praises God for fulfilling that promise. But maybe for, you know, for some of us, we're not familiar with this section of the Bible or temples or anything like that. So maybe we're asking, okay, why did God promise to give a temple? And why is it a praiseworthy thing that it's been fulfilled? Well, we as a church, we've been here uh, in TAFE for a couple months, is that right? Tafe, yeah. Um, we're really thankful, I think, as a church to be here. It's a, been a great location for us. 
Uh, for those of, uh, for those who have been a part of the kind of conversation about being here at TAFE for a while, you remember the, a bit of the angst about trying to get in this building and kind of as we waited. Um, but then if you remember, if you recall the news that the lease had been signed, I've never seen Cam so happy. Like it was like he had another child. Maybe a little bit happier because this time when this child was birthed, he actually could sleep, so uh, don't tell Kareem that I said that. No, um, this building is pretty impressive and it, it's amazing. But the reason for our thankfulness for the TAFE is, is different than the thankfulness for the temple. Okay? Um, we, we're thankful to have a building to meet in, to be in a really um, strategic part of our city, to, to be able to, to speak about the gospel to a lot of neighbors, but this building here doesn't actually have any intrinsic significance to it other than being very impressive. It's a, it serves a wonderful functional service for us. But the temple, on the other hand, it does have intrinsic significance. It was the place of God's restored presence with his people. So the Garden of Eden was paradise where God was present and had fellowship with his people. It speaks about God walking in the garden with his people. But then sin fractures that relationship and fellowship is no longer had. Sin exiles them away from the garden. And though God had um, revealed himself to individuals throughout history, even setting up a temporary um, tabernacle where his presence would be, Back in Deuteronomy 12, he promised that there's going to be a central place, a central location, where when you are in the new land, at that location, I'm going to place my name and my presence will be there and all the surrounding nations will be able to see who I am. God is restoring his presence to his people. And that is the goal of all life, that, that humanity and God dwell together that every tribe and nation will dwell in the presence of God. The very last book of the Bible, uh, book of Revelation, chapter 21, kind of ends on this very climactic, behold, the dwelling place of God is now with humanity. That is the pilgrimage we are on as the people of God. If you ever wonder why we gather each week, why do we preach, from the Bible, why do we pray? Why do we meet in community groups? Why do we share the gospel? It's the preparation of that day where behold, the dwelling place of God is with humanity. And so the temple that we read about in 1 Kings 8 here is the temporary location of God's presence on earth as we are moving toward Revelation 21. It is the pit stop on a long journey. It is the appetizer before the great meal. And so as the, as the temporary location then, it is heavily mediated. It is only special priests who are allowed into the presence of God. And God's presence can only be amongst his people through the ongoing sacrifices that we read about the temple. So though it is mediated, it is still a worthwhile thing for God's people to give thanks for. And so Solomon praises God because he has fulfilled the promise to David. 
Not just because it was any promise, but, God, but because God is, with, is dwelling with his people again. He is bringing about the reversal of separation. And now we all love it when people are true to their word, when they make promises and fulfill them. Uh, you might have a, a, friend, a you know, school friend or a uni friend that you just think, man, that, that person's solid. Whatever they tell me, they will do. Or, um, you know, those of us might have a spouse when we get sick or we have a hard time at work or kids are especially difficult so that they take up more of the household duties. They, they say, you know, I'm going to do this. It'll be okay. And we're really thankful when promises are fulfilled to us. So how much greater when that promise being fulfilled is that God is present with us? When people are faithful to their word, we are not only grateful for what they promise, but it goes beyond that. It's beyond just action. It goes to the central core of who they are. It goes to their character. And so Solomon here, he praises God because he's incomparable. Look at verses 23 to 24. The Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth you have promised and with your hand you have fulfilled it as it is today. So it is right for us to respond in praise and thankfulness when God fulfills his promise to us. It's right to say, as Solomon did, there's no one on heaven or on earth who's like you. Now, I have to admit, um, as a Christian for the majority of my life, uh, I don't always feel like I have the affection. When I read Solomon's affections, I don't feel like I always have those sorts of affections. To be overwhelmed in praise and thankfulness that God has overcome the bounds of separation. So how, how, how can we overcome that reluctance or that um, ignorance on our part? As I was thinking about this, I was thinking of a few things. One was pray. Pray both as individuals that God would stir our hearts, stir our affections, that we actually have the blessing, the happiness to dwell with him. This is also why community groups and friendships in our church are so important to encourage one another. I know that, you know, for Rob and Fiona, the need to uh, do that with Isabel, to remind her. We as church members remind each other of the thankfulness to be able to dwell with God both here, now, and forever. We will also need to remind ourselves of who we were before Christ remind ourselves what Christ actually did overcome in our own lives. This is part of the reason why week by week we, we remind each other of the gospel, of what Christ has done, what he has overcome. We, we remind each other in our singing. We remind each other in our praying and in our preaching. They remind us of who we were and what God has done. That is the source of our praise. So knowing who we are before the work of Christ is vital. It also shows us how we're to respond to him, right? It leads Solomon then to pray and petition God to act now and in the future, okay? God, because you've done this in the past, please do this now in the future. 
So as God is dwelling in the temple, the temple then is a place of prayer and repentance. And so Solomon petitions that God would hear prayers of confession that are offered to him, and when he hears, that he would forgive. But before, God, before Solomon gets there, before he asks God anything, he just points out the incongruity of this, the idea that the creator God is going to be physically located in a temple. And that's the next point in our outline, is that Solomon recognizes that God's presence is his grace, that is his gift. So verse 27, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. So Solomon recognizes as he's building this physical location that God can't be contained by it. You know, how could he? Even the heavens and the earth can't contain him. And I think what he's drawing on here is that if the, if the temple and the heavens and the earth can't contain him, wherever God is present, it is his grace to be there. He has chosen to be there. For God to dwell in the temple is because he desires to be amongst his people. And this is great news for us. It's great news that God's presence is motivated by love rather than anything else. For if God's presence with us was motivated by our intrinsic value, if it was something that we could earn, it could also be something we lose. It's not because we're swell people that he's come. It's because of his divine love. And so it also means that that love is not lost by anything on our part. And so after recognizing that God can't be fully contained in the temple, but his presence is his grace, Solomon hears that God would hear prayers of confession and that he would forgive. So let's look at 28 to 30. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Lord my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, this place of which you said, my name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear the heaven, hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Solomon asks that the temple to be a place where prayers and confession are offered and that God would forgive and restore. And so the temple has a major function in the life of God's people, that God would hear and forgive. In verses uh, 31 to 53, it's a pretty large section uh, of, this, um, of this chapter. Sarah didn't read it. But in this kind of section, there are seven different situations that Solomon prays about and that God would hear and forgive. And so all in this prayer, it all presupposes that God's people are in need of forgiveness. So a couple examples. So verse 32 Solomon prays to judge the guilty and vindicate the innocent. Verse 33, when Israel is given over to, in defeat because of sin. Verses 35 and 37, when there's a drought or a famine or locust plague because of sin. Verse 46, that Israel will eventually go into exile because of sin, because there's nobody who doesn't sin. 
all, all of these verses in this big section, they all point to the underlying issue that people will sin and are in need of forgiveness. And where are they to find forgiveness? Um, you know, many in our culture, we, f- we seek to remedy certain kind of lacks in our, lack in our life. We seek it in more sex, more money, particular relationships. Solomon's prayer is telling us the place to actually find forgiveness is actually in the presence of God. So as verse 33 and 34 tell us, when they turn back to you and give praise to your name, praying and making supplication to you in the temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back. Verses 35 to 36, when they pray toward this place and they turn from their sin, teach them to live the right way. 38 and 39 I won't go through these, but they all have this notion of when God's people pray for confession that there's forgiveness. So the reality is that we have sin that must be dealt with in order to be reconciled into fellowship with God. So sin isn't something that we speak of often as a culture. The idea that you and I have rebelled against God and his good ways instead of we live lives devoted to ourselves instead of lives devoted to him. And so maybe you're, maybe this is your first time at church or Trinity Tonsley, and this is all new. But the, the heart of the Christian faith is that we have rebelled against our creator. We've sinned against him and have been separated, deserve his condemnation. But the good news of the Christian faith is that it confesses in the midst of our rebellion, God has come. He has come in grace and he has given himself freely in Jesus Christ. But how does this work? How does, how does this work? How does a holy God who must send people away who are sinful also draw near to them? And this brings us to the last point, which is the need for God to incline our hearts to him. Okay, so after this magnificent prayer that Solomon has prayed to God, Solomon asked God's presence to remain in order that he might renew us and incline our hearts to him. So verse 56, praise be to the Lord who has given rest. Not one of his failed promises have come through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in obedience to him and keep the commands, decrees, and laws he gave our ancestors. God's presence leads us to repent and confess of sin, but it also gives us a desire and a hunger for God's ongoing presence in our lives. As he says in verse 57, may he never leave us or forsake us. So the ongoing presence with his people means that there has to be radical change in our sinful makeup. So verse 58 says, may he turn our hearts to walk in obedience to keep the commands and laws. Isn't that remarkable? In order for people to follow in the instructions of the Lord, it isn't about giving up in despair, not about not being able to do them or to muster all the motivation we can give with all the right hacks and habits. 
It is actually the humble prayer that God will give us hearts that desire him. So just as we are sinners in need of repentance, we are also in need for God to do a work to incline our hearts to him. We need a work in us for, to walk ongoingly. Now, as we'll see next week and the following weeks is the rest of um, the lives of Solomon and the lives of all of basically every king of Israel will end in failure. This prayer will be something that Solomon himself will not be able to do. King after king, generation after generation, there is a failure for God's people to repent and to walk before him continually. And so as at times we're going to see moments of repentance, but never ongoing obedience and fellowship. And eventually this temple, the place where God dwells, God will depart from it. His presence will leave and it will be destroyed. So if the ongoing promises of God are going to be fulfilled, then there needs to be divine action, something divine coming into the hearts of people. And so it anticipates the need for a miraculous work from God. So though God will remove his presence and the temple will be destroyed, the good news is that God is not finished. Just as he was not finished after sin in the Garden of Eden, he is not finished after the temple is destroyed. His promise to be with his people was, is still intact. And God was going to build another temple, and the cornerstone of that temple we're told in the Gospels is the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the way the Apostle John writes this in John chapter 1. He talks about Jesus tabernacling among us. Jesus dwelled among us. He's using very intentional tabernacle temple language to speak about Jesus as God's presence with his people. And as Jesus confronted the religious leaders, even he speaks about his body as the temple that if you destroy this temple, I will raise it again in three, three days to speak about his own death and his resurrection. And as the Lord Jesus is God among us, he atones for our sin, resurrecting to give us life. And who do we offer our prayers of confession and repentance? Well, we offer them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that when we do, God is faithful and just to forgive and the remarkable thing also, when we confess to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're given new hearts. The Spirit comes, gives us new hearts that we might love and grow in obedience to the law of Christ, to love God and love neighbor. Because as the Apostle Paul says, we are new creations when we have Christ. And so as new creations filled with the Spirit of God, the church becomes a part of that temple the part of the temple of Christ, taking the presence of God to the ends of the earth. Look at verse 60. What is Solomon? What's the purpose of God inclining our hearts, being with us? Verse 60, so that the people of the earth might know that the Lord is God and there is no other. That is the heart of the Christian faith. Christ comes, redeems, and we are sent out. So friends, let me uh, close by reminding us that God has fulfilled his promises to be present with, us, with his people. He has come in the temple, as we've read in 1 Kings 8, but he has ultimately come 
in Jesus Christ. So let us give thanks together that God has come and that we can offer our praise, our confession, and be assured of our forgiveness for ongoing walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, most of all, that you have overcome the separation between us to be present with your people. And we give you thanks for the Lord Jesus. We long for that day in Revelation 21 where all, um, where we all dwell with God. So help us along our, in our pilgrimage as you use your spirit to sanctify us, to make us more like Christ, that we would uh, ongoingly walk before you with full hearts, fully devoted to you, knowing what Christ has done and is doing in our lives. And so we pray this for Christ's sake. Amen.